Welcome to the Silicon Slopes Life Podcast. I'm Andrew Diaz, and each month I bring you the heartwarming, interesting, and fun stories from the people that make the Silicon Slopes community a place to call home. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. This is a podcast I did with my friend Scott Sherman, who is a financial coach. And uh, hope you guys enjoy it. It's about money. And who doesn't, you know, like listening to two guys talk about money? The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I So remind me again the name of, uh, of your company. Live Your Way Financial Coaching. Live Your Way Financial Coaching. And um, so when people are looking into getting uh, financial coaching, it's usually because they're thinking of changing their life in some way, shape, or form. Um, either they've been in debt or they're still in a ton of debt. Um, or maybe they're thinking of retirement now as, as something that's possible for them. So um, typically, if they're coming to you, I would imagine there's, like as a realtor, when I'm talking to my clients, there's some kind of life change that's happening, right? right. Either they're, they're, they're downsizing, or maybe there's a divorce, or someone died, or maybe they're having more children, they need more, more room, that kind of a thing. So what are some of the, what are you, what do you encounter when people are coming to you in, in that realm? Like, what kind of um, change of life is happening when they're coming to see you, do you find? You know, so, so some of the same triggers that you're seeing, right? There's people who um, they just have changes in life and maybe a, a job change that they are suddenly, you know, they either have more money um, or they have less money. Maybe they, you know, lost a job and, and picked up something else and they need to figure out what to do with that um, change in income. It could be, again, yeah, it could be a new kid um, changes things. It could be uh, they've moved. So, you know, or if you refi your mortgage, you've got different things going on. It could be just that they are sick of, of living paycheck to paycheck or having as much debt as they do and they really, you know, have reached a breaking point and they want to change that. Or it's people who, you know, have been doing well and now they're trying to figure out what's the next level, right? What, what can I do? You know, I've been saving money, I'm doing well, but I don't really know what I'm driving toward overall and I need some help kind of figuring that out. What are, what are my goals and how do I achieve those? So it really can be a, a vast variety of financial situations that people are uh, coming to me to, to get some coaching. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost, I mean, you're like an actual coach coach in that, in that realm, right? Like if, even if you're somebody who has say put away money in the 401k and, and they're, they're just looking at the next steps and, and maybe there's some blind spots too that they have in their own financial life that they've, you know, this is what I started doing when I started working in my twenties and, and I haven't stopped. And now they kind of pull their head out, out of the water a little bit. They're in their mid forties and they're going, Oh wow. I'm like pretty close to 
either retirement or having to take out money. Like I know uh, my mom had this when she had to, what's it called where you have to um, automatically take out your retirement savings, the forced. Oh yeah. The required minimum distribution. Right. I I think that really surprises a lot of baby boomers right now. They've saved money into this, you know, retirement account and they go, Hey, they're, they're going to penalize me if I'm not taking out this money and I don't want to take it out, you know? So having a coach like yourself, I mean, are those some of the items you're bringing up with people when you, when you're sitting down and talking with them? Yeah. I mean, it can be, I haven't had to deal with people who are hitting retired minimum distributions. Usually by that time, those people are, uh, have a financial advisor that they work with. And I should probably step back for a second and kind of give an idea of the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach. So as a financial coach, one thing that I'm not allowed to do is I can't um, recommend specific investments or a specific, um, you know, way to invest. Um, You have to be licensed in order to do that. And so that's not what I do. What I really do uh, as a financial coach is help people, uh, you know, kind of like you said, as a a regular coach would, you you look at your behaviors, your habits, the mechanics of what you do, and, and you try to improve on those, right? And so as a financial coach, I help people with things like, um, you know, looking at your budget overall and saying, you know, am I spending money where I want to be spending it? Am I putting the time and the effort and the resources toward the things that are important and are making a difference and are, and are pushing me toward where I want to be? Or am I kind of doing some things that maybe are not good habits um, and maybe you didn't even realize that that was going on, but just through having somebody else talk you through that and look at it you can kind of see, you know, maybe there were some things that I'm doing here that I I can improve on. So as a financial coach, yes, I help with the finances and I help with kind of the, um, you know, the money approach. Um, But in terms of, you know, real solid, like, hey, here's how you avoid paying taxes on this stuff. You know, that's going to be more like a CPA or financial planner uh, that's going to help you with that. Um, You know, how should I invest or what are the, you know, what are ways I can, um, move my money around so that I'm not being penalized. That's going to be more of a financial advisor, that kind of thing. So as a financial coach, I really deal with the habits around money and the behaviors around money and some of the mindset issues around money that help you get to a better place so that when you go to those other professionals, you're a better client for them. And they're, they're able to help you more because you've got your, your game and, you know, in a, much better place. Uh, and I would imagine too, they're not wasting their time, you know, that you're not wasting time with those people too. Cause especially, you know, at that level, they're, they're pretty expensive. Um, and so you're being, you're having the most, the highest value you can get from those professionals by, by preparing before you even get in there. That's a good idea. Uh, what are some of the mindset issues that you find? I have two questions, sure. uh, that out of what you just said that, that sparked in my head. One was, where do you think, and I think people in general and would like to know, even to think about themselves, where do you think some of those hidden gaps are where people are, and I guess this is a mindset thing as well, but where are the gaps where people are making um, mindless errors in their finances that they don't even think? Like, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started looking at our grocery bill and I was realizing that Every month, our grocery our grocery bill was around a thousand bucks, and it was for things that we were not. We just weren't being very intentional with our food, and um, 
you know, you go to Costco and you go, Oh, Hey, look at that uh, massage machine right there. That's really great. Right. And then, you know, it's just those little tiny things and it would, it would add up and add up and add up. Um, so for us, like I, I really noticed that a, a gap or a, where we had a blind spot was, was in our grocery bill. Are there other ones that you see through your business that, and, and sitting and talking with people that are pretty consistent that you see over and over again, that people maybe wouldn't even really realize? You know, a lot of them are the things that people don't really realize. I think one of the things that people often mistakenly uh, have this notion, or I shouldn't say mistakenly, they've been doing this wrong. And so the notion of I'm going to have a budget, immediately people start to think, what are the things that I enjoy that now I'm going to have to not do because I have a budget, right? So you think of all of the things that are really important to you and you're like, well, I can't do that now. It costs money. It's, you know, and I'm on a budget. And that's really not the way to do it, right? That's the, that's the fastest way to blow your budget is to cut out all the things that you enjoy. What people rarely really see are the leaks in their spending on the things that don't matter to them, right? So it's, uh, you know, you've heard of maybe the latte effect, which uh, yeah. author David Bach talks about the latte effect, which is, you know, if you go and you go to get a coffee every day and you're a couple times a week, you're like, yeah, it's four bucks, right? It's not a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal. Four bucks isn't a big deal. It's, it's the aggregate over the year. When you look and you say, you know, maybe $4 three times a week, that's 12 bucks a week. Okay. Do you do that? You know, if you do that every week, that 12 bucks a week turns into almost 50 bucks a month, right? You do that every year, you're talking like $600 on coffee. And that's fine. If that's like, I really enjoy a good cup of coffee and I need this. And I do, you know, like I connect with, um, my best friend every day over this or what, you know, however that is, that's fine. If that's not intentional, if you did not intend to spend $600 on coffee, because it was just like, I'm, you know, I've got an extra 10 minutes to kill and I need to do something. I'm going to go stop in Starbucks and get a coffee. Then that's not fine. Right. That's where you need to say, Hey, was that intentional? And if the answer is no, then how can we be more intentional about it, right? What, what would you rather do with that $600? Or what would you rather do with $500 and, you know, go out for coffee sure. once, once a week, right? Something like that. So there's things that people do that are unintentional that they don't know because it's just not important to them, right? Uh, stopping at the gas station and picking up, you know, a, a Slim Jim and a, and a refill soda or something. Right. You do that often enough you know, it adds up. It doesn't seem like a big deal at the time because it's a couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there, but you do four or five, six of those couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there every day. Now you're talking real money. And that's usually what happens is people just don't see these small little things because they become kind of part of the background. Right. Right. Because they're, because they are part of the background. Yeah, exactly. You're, and then you go and look at your credit card statement and you go, how are we at $4,000 this month? That's ridiculous. Right. Right. That's, that's how somebody that, you know, I mean, here in America and, and even in, in the Silicon slopes area, we have some families that are pretty affluent. Um, and then we have other families that are affluent because their credit card, uh, you know, levels are, are up that high. Right. 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 <laughs> you sit and look at it and you go, gosh, we have this, you know, you know, if let's say you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's great. But if you're not saving, you know, at a minimum 15, 20% of that, that's hope, right. You could 
you could easily do that if, if you're paying attention to those things. But if you're having to pay credit card month, month after month, four to $6,000 a month on your credit card, boy, that's really hard. And, and I, you know, I try to go through every month and take a look and I go, Oh, that was, that was not intentional. Like I, I, I didn't need to go that high or I look at a, a Costco bill and I go, what did I buy that? that right. right? Um, is the massager. Well, having a coach like yourself um, could come in with some hacks that and I like what you said about um, budgeting, right? Like you, people look at a budget and they go, well, this is all the things I'm not going to be able to have. And you know what it reminded me of is people that go on a diet and they go, these are all the foods I'm not going to have. Whereas other people that have really successful um, nutritional habits, they make wholesale changes about what's important to them through their nutritional habits. And then it doesn't be, it's not so much a diet. It's more of a uh, lifestyle change. And that's what you're, you're kind of the weight watchers of, of financial coaching in that way is you're helping people make a lifestyle change, right? Right. And that's the idea. So let me give you an example of uh, uh, one of my clients who it, he has not gone on vacation in years. And he's not gone on vacation in years because he said he couldn't afford to, right? He and his wife, um, they used to spend more freely um, and, and then that caught up with them. And so they've had to lock it down. Um, and they're just like, you know what? We, we would love to go on vacation. Just, it's just not in the cards. So we did the session, the, the initial session, where we pull together. So what I do, I do a, what's called a launch pad session. And um, I have people pull together basically a, a big picture look at all of their financials um, and kind of what they spend month to month on a whole bunch of categories, right? So this is where we start to uncover the things that are unintentional, the things that you don't think about, like, oh, I, you know, I, I need to spend $50 this month on uh, a birthday gift for, you know, my wife or, or kid or whatever. And that's not in the budget anywhere unless you put it in the budget somewhere, but that's money spent. Right. And so if you're sitting real close to what you think is your budget and a $50 expense comes in that you didn't have on there, that can kind of derail stuff. If you're, mm -hmm. you know, if you're cutting it real close. So anyway, so we did this launch pad session and by the time we were done, and by the time um, we started doing additional coaching and, and we kind of dialed in his budget and I do what's called projection budgeting. So I think the most important thing people can do is see what the spending and saving choices they make today does down the road. And I'm talking like 12 months to 24 months down the road. So one to two years into the future, I like to project and have people project out their budget and go in and start to add in, hey, I know that there's going to be, you know, um, this Christmas is here. I'm going to want to spend X on Christmas. I need to save along the way, or I need to make sure that I'm going to have enough money for to pay for Christmas and it doesn't go on the credit card and become, you know, $1,000 in spending becomes $1,400 in spending by the time you pay all of your um, interest. So just within three weeks of, for the very first time, pulling all of these things together and getting a projection budget, my client is now planning to take a vacation for the first time in years in about four months because he can see where that money's going to come from. He can see that he can afford it. If he sticks to these other budgetary things that he set and said, these are, you know, this is my budget. This is what's doable. 
And then what's important to me is to be able to go on a vacation for the first time in a year. So I'm going to make that a priority and put money aside every month to make that happen. And so just by doing this intentional exercise around budgeting, he's getting more of what he wants, right? He's not spending money where he doesn't because now he sees if I go and spend, you know, 200 bucks here at the store. Yeah. It seems like it's not a big deal. It's 200 bucks this month. That 200 bucks means I can't buy a flight by the time I want to go on vacation. Right. And so it really drives home how, if you're just thinking about this stuff in advance, you can really make sure that you're putting your resources toward what you want and not letting them just kind of filter away into other things that aren't what you want. That's great. Where, where do you see, um, where do you get some of your background from where you're, um, you know, obviously you're pretty passionate about this. You've, you've, you've created a, a business and in, in helping people get on this path. What was it about your past, uh, you know, that you can go back and say, here's what, here are some, um, uh, really life-changing moments that, that got me into the, the financial, uh, literacy world. Was there a book you read? Was there a blog post you read? Was there, what are some of the, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, I really want to kind of see what this is all about first and foremost, what are some, um, maybe some assets online that they could go to? I mean, obviously your website's one of them, but where, where did you kind of start your path out that, that help you get through there and, and that maybe somebody who's listening could, could get started on? Sure. So uh, let me give you a little bit of background on sort of my origin story in the personal finance world. Um, I, I not, was not that long ago that I really didn't know a lot about this stuff. Um, it was in 2013. I, I was working at the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I left uh, journalism because I kind of got disenchanted with the, with the way things were going um, and could see that that was, you know, in a long-term, not really the, the most uh, financially savvy move for me to stay there. So I left there. Uh, I went and worked at the University of Utah. And when I moved, I had a 401k and I had to figure out what I was going to do with my 401k from journalism. And I, re- you know, I realized I really had no idea what to do with that. I knew I was supposed to do something. I didn't know what that was. So I just started Googling. And I started Googling, you know, what do, I, what do you do with a 401k? And I learned that you can roll them over. Okay, that's great. I have no idea what that means, right? So then I had to research that. And as, a, as somebody who's trained in journalism, I'm good at, you know, research, internet research. Um, and so I started to research what could I do with this. I, could, I figured out I could, uh, you know, put it into an IRA, and I was like, okay, I have an IRA. I, I, I got an IRA years before. I wasn't putting a whole lot of money into it. About 100 bucks a month I had been putting in for um, the past few years. But I thought, okay, maybe I just need to you know, put this 401k into that. And I thought, well, I wonder what that IRA is doing. I've just kind of been putting money into it. Um, this was 2013, so we got past the whole um, you know, recession and, and everything was starting to really make a good, a good climb in the market. And so I went and logged in for the first time in years to my IRA. And what I saw was I had $2,400 sitting in a money market account and a money market account does not make money. It is basically a place to park your money safely until you figure out where to put it. That's got more risk so that you can make more reward. And so two years of my investments 
that I was not paying any attention to were sitting there doing absolutely nothing for me. And so I got angry because I had a financial advisor who I thought was supposed to take care of this stuff for me. And so my, my initial reaction was I was really angry at him because he should know that that wasn't doing anything for me. And then I started thinking about it and I realized that no, I should have known what that money was doing for me. It was my money, right? I, I can't expect this other guy who doesn't know me, doesn't, doesn't frankly care what my money is doing. I can't expect him to be watching every dollar that I have to make sure it's doing what it should be doing. And so I realized that I needed to change what I was doing around money so that that would never happen again. And so again, I started Googling, um, you know, personal finance stuff. I found things like the Motley Fool and, you know, Yahoo money and kind of the, the easy things you find when you start Googling. But then I really stumbled on things like the Simple Dollar and Rockstar Finance. And those are sites that are much more geared not toward the daily market movements, but toward the long-term, what do you need to do to be in a good place financially in the end? And it's stuff about, you know, changing your behavior, changing expectations, changing, um, you know, some of the small behaviors around your daily spending and showing you why that's important. So then I found things like Mr. Money Mustache. Um, and Mr. Money Mustache has a, a, an amazing post that so many people cite um, called The Shockingly Simple Math Behind Early Retirement. And when you see that and somebody lays it out and says, you know, if you just save X percent of whatever it is you make, this is how long you have to work. And that totally changes the game when somebody gives you the math like that, because I think everybody assumes you have to work until 65. And then at 65, you stop doing whatever it is that you've been doing. And you, you, you know, whatever you think retirement is, that's what you're doing, right? And when you start to see that there are so many different ways to do that, and frankly, that for some people, they will not ever be able to retire, right? They get to it too long, to wait too long to get to it. And, you know, to, to go to your example of somebody making $100,000 a year, if you're making $100,000 a year and you're spending 99,000 of it, you know, on between taxes and, and all the other stuff you're doing, and you're not saving anything, when you get to say 55 and you're like, Hey, in 10 years, I want to retire you have to make up an awful lot of ground. And frankly, the math is not there for you, right? If, if you're spending $99,000 a year and you want to maintain that lifestyle in retirement, there's no way that you have the gap in your income to save enough money to afford the lifestyle you've created, right? And so lifestyle inflation is one of these huge things that people just don't really pay attention to. And that's what ends up costing them the most in the end is they, they get a raise, you know, they get a 2% raise and they're not intentional about what to do with that 2%. It is, so it just gets absorbed into the, you know, spending the daily spending, whether that's groceries, whether that's vacations, whether that's a nicer car, um, you know, whether that's new furniture, whatever it is, and that can be fine to a point, right? Because at some point, the lifestyle inflation that you've created, it just outstrips your ability to support that lifestyle unless you're always making what you're making. 
And so I feel like as a coach, my job is to make sure that people are intentional with the lifestyle they're creating and that that lifestyle is sustainable for them in the long run. So, right, you, you like what you do, you like what your life looks like, and in the long run, you can maintain that and, and grow into maybe some of the other facets of life that you want to explore, but you do it intentionally. Because if you're not intentional about it, it's really, really difficult to get to a place where you can afford um, a lifestyle that you enjoy for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I think too, we're seeing our generation anyway, I'll throw you in, into my generation, even though you're uh, quite a bit younger than me, we're seeing uh, people that did live that way through the eighties and nineties. And they're getting now to the point, you know, these, the baby boomer generation where they're looking up and going, well, I still need to work. I still have to work um, because of, because they never took the time during their real growth years to stash, you know, even 10% of, of what they were making away. You know, I know that's a big Dave Ramsey thing, I, I guess, right, is 10%. And in, in the financial independence world, it's closer to, you know, between 30 and 50% if you could get there. Um, now, those numbers kind of freak people out and sound kind of wild, but... It, it, if you're intentional and you have, even if you, if you don't know how to do it on your own, having a coach like yourself uh, and, and, and taking the time to get your mind right and your, your uh, lifestyle and your finances correct, uh, even spending even a few sessions with someone like yourself could really benefit you long term for decades to come so that when you're 65, even though you may still want to work, you don't have to work. You can, you can take the time to, to do what you want to do and, and enjoy life at that time, which you should. Um, I, I posted a, a uh, thing on LinkedIn, uh, uh, article that I read uh, last week where um, the, and, and it was about a timeline of, of basically, you you can have the gap of time to grow your income and grow your investments. But the one thing that's, that is a, a definite for sure is, is the death line. So right. at, at one point, the, the graph of, of death, and I'll, I'll put this on the blog post so people can see it, you know, it's, it's based on a 4% withdrawal rate, right? At starting at whatever age of retirement. And if, if you and the percentage that you're the amount of money that you retire with, let's say a million dollars, will exist over a 20 year time span. Okay. So we look at those graphs and they have a, using the 4% rule, and it's a 93% chance that this is going to work out for you, or a 97%, um, you know, big earn from, from the FI world is really great at, at your withdrawal rates and stuff like that. But Everybody assumes an age of 90, 95 years old when they're looking at that. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, even though we are living longer and not everyone's living to 95, you know, people sometimes die at 70. Right. Um, and I would invite people to kind of enjoy life a little bit more. Right. And, and in doing that, setting up your finances is it, it, when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s is, is really, I think, a, a paramount um, choice to make. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of pushback on this idea that 
if you are trying to save for retirement and, and when you're younger uh, or you're trying to reach financial independence and, and people have that opposite reaction where they say, well, you're not living for the now because you're saving so much, right? You're by saving now instead of doing this or this or this, aren't you robbing yourself of those joys of life? And I can see where they're coming from because if you're coming from the mindset that I have to spend all of this money in order to enjoy it, um, I, that's, that's a mindset switch you have to make, right? The, the point is, is the money that you're spending bringing you enjoyment, right? It, are you truly enjoying that or are you just going through the motion? Are, are you on the hedonic track? Is that what's called the hedonic track? Right, right, right. Um, because you do, you see, you know, I was at a, a listing appointment the other day and then the neighbor was cleaning out their garage for some spring cleaning. And, um, the boy was like, Hey, where am I supposed to put my bike? I wanted to get a new mountain bike this year. And the, the mom said, well, if we have the Lamborghini, if we didn't have the Lamborghini, you'd have room in the garage. And there's this brand new white Lamborghini, you know, $250,000 car out in the driveway. And I, I thought to myself, I mean, good for them that they're able to provide that kind of lifestyle to themselves. But I thought, boy, that's a, that's a pretty big toy that probably isn't adding value every day to your life, you know? Right, right. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to judge anybody at all. I, I hope it doesn't come off that way. It's just that is a, a really large ticket item that may, like, if you look back on it, that amount of money may, there's, I just for myself could find so many other things I could do to bring so much more happiness to not only myself, but the ones I love around me you know, rather than just driving around in a car really fast for and, you know, different months out of the year. For different folks, I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't say, so for, for people who wonder as a coach, um, do I try to mold people to, to meet my, you know, values and my reality and my expectations? Um, no, because, you know, if there, if that car is something like, you've been thinking about this, having this car since you were eight years old and you've worked, you know, for 30 years or 40 years. Um, and you've, you've reached a place where you can go out and get that. Um, and, and you kind of achieve this dream. If that's truly what you want to do, that's great. Now, the, the question I have as a coach is, how does that affect the, the other parts of your life? So say you get that car and say you finance it, right? So maybe you finance that car and you're paying 2,500 bucks a month, or I don't, I wouldn't even know what, you know, what a payment on something like that would be, but I'm sure yeah. it's steep. <laughs> so, yeah. say, so say you're doing that and say you also have some credit card debt because, you know, you've got some other stuff going on. Maybe you're still paying off student loans. That's not uncommon for a lot of people. They're paying student loans off for 25 years. Um, or maybe you just have, you know, maybe you're just not very careful with your money and, and things are kind of running ragged and an emergency happens, right? And, and an emergency might be your basement floods and you find out that you don't actually have uh, flood coverage on your insurance. And that's, you know, 12 grand to rip up the carpeting, you know, take out the drywall, uh, get the disaster cleanup people in there, get that whole thing ready to go. And you're like, I don't have 12 grand, don't have 12 grand sitting around. And I don't have the means to throw whatever, you know, financing I can get for 12 grand into the monthly budget because I'm stretched thin. 
if that's your scenario, then the stress that you've added by, you know, achieving that dream of yours financially, I don't think is worth it. And I think you need to really examine the whole thing. So, so big purchases in and of themselves aren't necessarily a bad thing, even if they're frivolous by, you know, some people's standards. But I really say, do, you know, when you look at the whole picture, is this the lifestyle that you want to live, right? Do you want to have this really nice car in the garage, but you're super stressed, you can't miss a day of work, you can't possibly um, consider changing jobs unless it makes more money, you know, your kids can't go to, your, your kid maybe can't get that mountain bike because you, you can't afford it now, Um you know, and obviously we don't know anything about the, the situation of these people. No, and, 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 you know, I'm glad you said that because it is a, um, I guess I, I get a little, not judgy. It's probably judgy. I'm, you know, sometimes I can be a. We're a judgy species. I'm a judgy little dude, but you know, <laughs> and I, that's my, yeah, I'm glad you said that as a coach. It's important that you're seeing it from your client's point of view in regard to the, uh, you know, what they are finding about value in. So, you right. know, that's, and that's important. It's good to know that you're keeping that in mind, um, as you're going through that. And, uh, that's why I, I don't think I could be a financial coach. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, it really is kind of just making sure that you're serving the client, right? You're serving the, the, the person in front of you and their goals and their dreams. Um, as opposed to trying to mold them to your own. Uh, because if I try to mold everybody to my goals and dreams, uh, chances are I'm going to have a, a lot of unhappy people, right? Because yeah. we're just all different. And so, it, you know, it really is kind of reaching in and understanding what it is people want. And I feel like in the, in the Utah, South, you know, South Salt Lake Valley, North Utah County area, the Silicon Slopes area, there is this perception um, in a lot of from a lot of people that we've got a lot of shallow people who are spending their money trying to look wealthy and are maybe leveraged way more than they care to say, um, trying to look good for each other. There's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. I guess that's where I was. That's why I brought up that example is because I think there is that that view of of the silicon slopes area so what were you going to say about that because i guess that's probably where i was coming from with it is we see that a lot around here um because there is an influx of money that comes into a lot of these companies the tech companies around here and they're getting you know their vestment they're fully vested in their you know whatever eight billion dollar you know purchase was was made like qualtrics right. And so, who? I mean, again, I, I, I'm, I'm nobody to judge what your purchase was, especially when all of a sudden you're flooded with uh, an extra couple commas in, into your incomes, right? And then there's neighbors that are looking around going, well, you know, Jim got that new Porsche. I'm going to go get the Lamborghini. Uh, right. So what were you going to say on that? Because I think that is a, a, a an outsider's view to what, what people see around, around our, our market area. There is. And, you know, there's some parallels with, uh, with professional athletes, frankly. So you get a lot of these tech people, especially if they end up in a startup that, that goes, you know, IPO or, um, you know, gets, gets bought out by somebody else. Um, 
when you think about like professional athletes who are generally speaking, not making a ton of money until they sign a pro contract. And then they go from not making a ton of money to making an ungodly sum of money, right? Overnight. And they don't ever really have a plan for that, right? Once you go from, from essentially like lower middle class to like super, super upper class overnight without a plan, you, you just don't know how to handle it. And I feel like that does happen a lot, and especially in the tech companies where you do have people who, you know, maybe go from making $60,000 a year to all of a sudden they get this huge buyout bonus or something like three, $400,000 um, because they've been at the company since it was, you know, 10 people uh, working in a, in a warehouse or something. But even if it's not that, even if you just go and, and get a, a better paycheck, it really is worth your while to have a plan before that happens, right? To think about what is it that I value? What are my goals? And so if I get extra money, what would I do to further those goals and values? Because you can find things to spend money on, no problem, right? We're, we're an economy that is primed to remove money from your hands for something that we can tell you is great. Sure. If, if you don't have a plan for it ahead of time, it's really hard to hold on to that money because you don't see what, you know, like what good is it doing me here? I don't know. Right. We haven't thought about that. Um, so there is, and one thing I would love to, to do more of is go into these tech companies as a, as a speaker and go and do, um, a, a, a session with their employees and say, Hey, you know, here's how you can better plan for your financial future. And if you get a windfall, here's how you make sure that it's doing the best thing that you can do with it. Because a lot of what happens is people get that, that big raise or they get that big bonus and they go out and spend it. And now they have to, you know, lifestyle inflation, they have to kind of keep up with that. And so companies are then losing good employees who are out trying to make more money so they can continue to inflate the lifestyle that they've kind of, you know, intentionally or unintentionally increased. And that's a huge cost for the company, right? Turnover is not cheap. Uh, I've seen some estimates say that it's about 60% of the annual salary of a position in order to replace that position, right? So wow. if somebody, yeah, I mean, it's huge. If somebody leaves and they're a hundred thousand dollar a year, employee at a tech company, you're looking at about $60,000 in expenses for you to, A, you've got lost productivity from that person leaving. Uh, B, you've got to go out and do a search where you find, you know, candidates. C, you've got to pull a team of people away from what they do day to day to interview these candidates to find the right person. Then you've got to pay that person to come in. They've got to get trained and up to speed. There's so much investment involved. And then you've got all the, the knowledge possibly that walked out the door with the last person. And maybe they are leaving because they just don't have a good handle on how to better manage their money. Maybe they were happy with the company. They just need more money. If they knew how to manage their money better up front, that might not have been an issue. And so, sure. you know, if a company wants to bring somebody like me in to kind of help explain how people can be more intentional about their spending, they could save an awful lot of money in recruitment costs and replacement and all that. Because right now, especially in the tech industry around here, the unemployment rate is so low. If you want a job as a tech person, 
there is no shortage of people paying really good money to get you to go over there. So, yeah, you know, people aren't staying out of uh, obligation in a lot. That's of a great point of view. And, and so I guess, you know, that I guess leads me to my last question, which is how do people, um, how are you going about finding more, more clients or how do people find you, um, to get some of this information and some of the coaching that you provide? Sure. So first off, my website is uh, liveyourwayfc.com. It's live your way financial coaching. Um, and my emphasis there, live your way, right? I, I want to help people live the way that they want to live. Uh, and I want to teach them how they can do that. And so that's, that's why I chose that name. Um, I'm going to do some free uh, uh, things at libraries at the, at some of the Salt Lake County libraries. I'm going to go and do some free um, seminars there for people just to get some more ideas on how they can be more intentional and save money and all that good stuff. And will you have uh, the dates and locations up on your website? I will. Yeah. The next one. And I don't know uh, when this particular thing is going to come out. I'm going to try to, going to try to do those uh, maybe once a month to once every six weeks kind of depends on how the calendar shakes out. Um, I'm in the, in South Jordan. So uh, the next one I'm going to do is in Harriman, and then I'm going to look to maybe do South Jordan, Riverton. I'm just going to kind of stick around first in, in my neck of the woods um, and then uh, branch out a little more there depending on how things go. But, yeah, otherwise, I'm, I'm trying to meet with um, other professionals who need, you know, run into people who need my kind of uh, coaching. And so that would be financial advisors. Like I said earlier, I, I help financial advisors create better clients because I teach them how they can save more money today so they can invest more for the future. Right. I'm not completely. Well, and as a, you know, that's, uh, uh, as a realtor, I, I often run into clients that want to purchase a home. Maybe they've been renting for a while. They're working on trying to get their down payment down and, and they may have some credit card issues. Um, I think somebody uh, like realtors are also, would be a good source as well to, um, to, so if there's any realtors out there that, that listen to this as well, I'm going to start sending people that are, are not quite ready yet to buy, uh, but need some coaching over your way so that we could get them to a point within a really short period of time where they are focusing and being intentional on purchasing a home and making the correct financial decisions to get there. So I think that's another, um, you know, you and I have met, and that's that's where a lot of a lot of uh, some of my first-time homebuyer clients are going to, uh, you know, be heading your way. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and like I said, the projection budgeting is huge for that because, you know, if you're renting now and you want to buy a home, you know, first off, you have to start saving the down payment. Second off, you have to know what your your month-to-month expenses are probably going to look like once you get into that home because they're going to be vastly different than the renting, right? So. Yeah, you're going to have more money on a mortgage, but now you got to start saving for um, your your upgrades. You're going to have to start, uh, you know, paying insurance um, and all that stuff is going to be, you know, probably included in your in your escrow in most cases. But you know, there's a lot that goes into owning a home. Um, you know, when uh, we've <laughs> when we first moved into our home uh, a couple of years ago. Within the first few months, um, I realized we were going to need a new furnace and air conditioner. And that was like 12 grand right out the gate, right? Like $12,000 I did not necessarily know was going to have to come out 
Uh, and yeah. so I had to go and go and do my projection buttons budget and say, can I afford this? And how am I going to afford this? Right. And so I was able to do that. Um, but those are things that you can, you can put in advance so people can see like, okay, should I buy the $400,000 house or should I buy the $370,000 house? Because one of them is going to make me stress out, um, over, you know, my month to month and the other one, I'm going to be okay. Right. right. So I, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of value for people who are just kind of planning those life transitions or yeah. planning those big purchases that are going to be ongoing expenses. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, uh, thanks again for, for coming on. And, and I think we, uh, if anybody has any other questions that, that they want to throw over to Scott, uh, all of his information's on his website and um, we'll put the link on the blog for that. Um, but thanks Scott for, for joining me today. And I really appreciate what you're doing out there for, for the folks that live in our area. And, and, and also, you know, obviously since you're uh, most of your stuff's online and, and interactive on online, it's uh, nice that you can also go uh, international too, but thank you for being here in the Silicon Slopes area and help us helping us out. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Been fun. Hey everybody, thanks so much for having uh, stopping on by and listening to the podcast today with Scott Sherman and Live Your Way Financial Coaching. If you know anybody that should join us on the Silicon Slopes Life podcast, please give me a call at 801-657-2400 or you can reach me by email at uh, andrew at siliconslopeslife.com. Thanks so much for coming around and we'll see you again soon.